It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Pepsi, where the football season will be different, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. And go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Hello again, everybody. Billy Rossetti with you guys here on a Tuesday. Hope you guys are having a great start to your week. We are rolling through here, kind of still wrapping up what's been going on with uh, Sunday's loss. I figured today, because NFL Game Pass kind of sucks right now and the All-22 still isn't up as of this recording, so can't really dive into the tape yet because... I don't have it right now, um, and that's all I've been seeing on Twitter is, give me all 22. We need all 22. Where is all 22? And it's like, yeah, where is it? So can't do that right now. So um, kind of going to shift gears a little bit, I guess, here. And uh, I found uh, Joe Person's five or, uh, five or six takeaways from the Panthers' loss. So I thought I'd share his, uh, his thoughts on the loss and kind of give my thoughts uh, to coincide with that. So I thought that'd be kind of a way to fill the time a little bit because, like I said, I wanted to do a little bit of film talk, but, I mean, I'd rather not, you know, we could obviously go with the the broadcast view for now, but I'd rather dig through the All-22 uh, to really get a better feel, and I'm sure you guys uh, want to see the All-22 as well for those of you that are waiting for it. So it's a little surprising that we're here on a Tuesday morning, and the all 22 hasn't come out yet so hopefully soon hopefully by uh later later today or tonight whatever the case may be whenever the nfl wants to finally turn around and uh and upload it i don't know exactly how long it took for them to put the the thursday night game up i think by saturday it was up um i know on sunday i I think I saw it. I don't know if it was up on Saturday, but it just feels a little long. I know it said two to three days, but it's like I'm I'm impatient, right? <laughs> We're all impatient. We want the old 22. But um, so hopefully we'll get to that soon. Um, but we'll get into Joe Person's observations from the Athletic on um, you know, the article he wrote on the Panthers' loss. But there is one thing I want to talk about first, though, too, before we get it, get into anything else, and I neglected to say this you know i mean we rambled so long obviously on the the panthers game you know for obvious reasons and we talked about some of the other you know form panthers stuff but at least this gives us a chance to kind of have like its own segment and i can focus on this story kind of to lead things off here on this tuesday and that of course is ron rivera 
and the outstanding day that he had on Sunday, both on and off the field. We know, of course, what happened on the field. Washington was down 17-0 to the Philadelphia Eagles and looked they looked out of it. They, they, they didn't look like there was any hope of them coming back. The Eagles looked like they were ready to step on their necks and um, and finish the job. But the Eagles made a lot of mistakes. And injuries, of course, played a factor. And they were able to allow Washington to get back in the game. And they scored a touchdown late in the first half. I think it was 17-7 at the half. Clawed their way into it a little bit. And then, of course, we we heard the story after the game that at halftime, Ron Rivera actually got an IV for, of course, the cancer treatment that he is going through. But he still was able to come out for the second half. Washington rallied, and they ended up scoring 27 unanswered points after trailing 17 nothing, and wound up winning the game 27 to 17 and now Washington stands as the only undefeated team it's only week one obviously but they are the only undefeated team in the NFC East as everybody else of course all lost they obviously beat the Eagles Dallas of course lost to the Rams and the Giants lost on Monday night to the Steelers so Washington and Ron Rivera for at least the first week of the season are sitting atop the NFC East at 1-0. So congratulations to Ron. And again, what a what a great story. You know, we knew, of course, he was battling cancer, but we knew it was uh, a treatable form because they found it at a very early stage. We know Ron Rivera, of course, had the backup plan of, you know, if he can't go, then... Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, would take over as um, as kind of the interim head coach or the, the fill-in head coach. But Ron Rivera got out there, and he coached his heart out, and you can certainly make the argument that he outcoached Doug Peterson on Sunday afternoon, and that's why Washington is now sitting at 1-0 and Philadelphia is sitting at 0-1. So a, a great... Great story for uh, for Ron Rivera to kick off his tenure as head coach of the Washington football team. So I wanted to start today's episode with that. And again, kind of give it like its own own kind of lead story, I guess it were. Because like I said, we're going to track like some of these former Panthers. We're going to have the cam watch every week, how he does with the Patriots. Um, but this was just a, a great story too. Uh, to follow Ron Rivera uh, on how he's doing at Washington. So a great start to his tenure in Washington, and just great to see him doing well both on and off the field, you know, coaching-wise and health-wise. So that was exciting to see. So that's that's how I wanted to start that off. Like I said, we'll get into Joe Person's, um, into Joe Person's stuff now. But uh, before we get into that, want to give a shout out, um, you know, because they are still a great sponsor. But a quick shout out to NFL Game Pass, where, of course, this season you can get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game 
with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. So you want to go back and watch Joe Burrow's near near comeback drive against the Chargers? You can do that. Uh, it's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. And of course, you also get to learn from over 40 of the best players in the league with their Game Pass film session episodes, where you can go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and more. Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. So go to nfl.com slash gamepass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So let's take a look now at Joe Person's uh, takeaways. The article he wrote over at The Athletic. And I'll just kind of share my thoughts about it. So uh, first thing... First thing that he talked about, uh, of course, is about the, uh, you know, the fourth down call and getting the, getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey, as as he wrote it, give him the damn ball, <laughs> so to speak. Again, na- namely the, uh, the fourth down call where McCaffrey did not get the ball. It was Alex Armour getting the ball and falling short of the uh, the first of the first down. And, um, you know, obviously Matt Rule talked about that play and he said, quote, that's something that I have to think about walking away, walking away from this. But we have confidence in all of our players and we have confidence in all of our plays, Rule said. Instead of a yard or inside of a yard, that fullback belly quarterback sneak, that's kind of the world that we're in. And it had worked before. So we thought it would work again. But I think when you write up who to blame for that, I think the only person you can blame is the head coach. And Joe Person also did note that uh, he said it took Brady a while to get McCaffrey super involved in the offense, at least by McCaffrey standards, as he had only nine touches at halftime and his 31 first half rushing yards were nearly matched by Teddy Bridgewater's 26 yards on scrambles. But then McCaffrey had 11 touches on the Panthers, 17 play, 75 yard drive. That got the Panthers back within 27-22. So took a while to get going, but uh, McCaffrey finally got in there. And like I said yesterday, you know we were obviously disappointed at the the result of that fourth down play, but it, he obviously lo- would have looked good if uh, if Arma did get the first down, and the result would have been different. But you know that's just football. He'll. You know, he'll obviously learn from it. He felt he had something there. Um, 
you know, fullback dives do tend to work. This was just one time that the Raiders uh, were able to to sniff it out. I mean, you know, play devil's advocate, you know, a little bit. We all kind of assumed it was going to go to Christian McCaffrey, um, and I'm sure the Raiders did as well, but they were prepared to, um, in case Arma got the ball from the fullback position, and that's exactly what happened. So credit the Raiders for a great stop on fourth and short and a great stop just to to seal the game so you know could could McCaffrey be involved a little bit more early in the game absolutely but ultimately I mean he did finish with almost 25 carries so uh, you can't be totally upset with uh, the the final usage out of Christian McCaffrey and you know looking at the snap counts he played all but two offensive snaps so it's not like he wasn't out there on the field and and not getting the work it just didn't happen right away you know for first play of the game he's not even in the backfield he's split out in the slot in a two by two uh empty set so they're not afraid to move move him around they're not afraid to you know, kind of mix things up a little bit. But when it comes down to it, uh, the Panthers are going to give the ball to their their big money playmaker. Uh, some of the other takeaways Joe Person wrote about on Sunday, he said concerns about the Panthers' cornerbacks and then their best got hurt, which is absolutely true. You know, there was already question marks about the secondary going into the game, and that was with a healthy Dante Jackson. And now he's injured, and we don't know what and we still. I don't think we really still even know yet what the status is on um, on da- on Dante Jackson. But credit Rasul Douglas, who stepped up and uh, had himself a pretty good game, including uh, two pass breakups on Sunday. So you know, big spot for a player that had just come with Carolina uh, just a few days ago held his own, and um, at least the Panthers have a little bit of something now uh, at the cornerback position. And then Troy Pride, you know, he he gave up the touchdown to to Nelson Aguilar. He was burnt a bit on Henry Ruggs' big catch. But, look, it's Troy Pride's first game. He's, you know, he's a rookie. He was a fourth-round pick. He was battling for a starting job. Again, basically won the job more or less by default, at least for the start of the season, because of the injury to Eli Apple. And, you know, I wouldn't say he played terribly. I mean, it's obviously a fellow rookie that he got beat in uh, with Henry Ruggs on that 45-yard catch, but that's just because of the speed of Henry Ruggs. You know, we we knew all week that Henry Ruggs' speed was going to be a problem for this Panthers secondary, and that's exactly what happened, especially against a young kid like Troy Pride. And then, you know, he was kind of there with Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar just had a bit of a step on him. And again, like I talked about yesterday, it's a veteran receiver, Nelson Aguilar, who's played in the Super Bowl versus an, uh, a rookie playing his first NFL game and playing his first NFL snaps. And he didn't even have a preseason. So... Can't really blame Troy Pride for, um, you know, you can't really get upset with Troy Pride at the, at the game he had on Sunday. So I thought he did fine. 
you know, given the the situation that he was in. So at least they have something at the cornerback position, and you know, Troy Pride will just get more experience and he'll get better, and I think they'll be fine. But again, the big question right now is what is the injury status of Dante Jackson? The front four didn't give the secondary any help. This is something you know, this is something else we talked about on Monday. I mean it's hard to win games. It's hard to win football games when your defense commits or when, when your defense is able to record zero sacks on the opposing quarterback. And that's exactly what happened to the Panthers on Sunday. Like like we talked about yesterday, they they did not get any sacks on Carr. Um actually weren't even credited with a quarterback hit. I mean there were obviously times that Derek Carr had all the time in the world to th- throw the football, and that's just because the Panthers just could not get there. Now, again, to me, that's a credit to the Raiders' offensive line. You know, I've been I've been praising them for the last few days now, and I knew it was going to be a tough matchup for the the Panthers' defense. So. A lot of credit where it's due to the the Raiders' offensive line. That's going to be a good unit, and uh, it's going to help that offense move the ball, and it's going to help protect Carr going forward, and they're going to continue to be able to get their receivers utilized because of that line. But they've but the Panthers obviously have to eventually get better at uh, at putting pressure on the quarterback, especially when you know they're facing some guy named Tom Brady on Sunday. And then guys like uh, Tyrod Taylor in week three, uh, Kyler Murray in week four, Matt Ryan in week five, and, you know, Drew Brees will be coming down the line, Matt Stafford. There's still a lot of good quarterbacks that this defense is going to face that they've got to get pressure on. So that's got to change. But, you know, I said I was pleased with Derek Brown's play on Sunday. You know, he he flashed potential. He flashed what he was at Auburn. You know, of course, he was going to have some up and down moments. You know, that happens with rookies in their first game, especially when you don't have, you know, that's the thing we have to, you know, always keep in the back of our minds with these young players is that they did not have a true off season that everybody else is used to having in the NFL. You know, there were there were no rookie mini camps. There were no OTAs. Training camp started late, you know, so, well, maybe not late, but, you know, it wasn't your, it wasn't your typical training camp, and then obviously no preseason games to get ready, so, you know, for a first pre or for a, a f- your first true NFL action, these receiver, or these, um, these rookies really didn't have all... All that bad of a game. I mean, Jeremy Chin was certainly the best of the group. Derek Brown, like I said, flashed a little bit. Troy Pride held his own. You know, obviously a couple of mistakes, but those are correctable rookie mistakes. You know, but I would like to see more out of Yitor Grossmatos. It'd be nice to see him play more than 25% of the snaps. So hopefully they get him involved a little bit more as well on the defensive line. Solid start for Teddy Bridgewater, which is absolutely true. 22 of 34, 270 yards, 
passer rating of 98.9. You know, and, and Joe notes most of Bridgewater's throws were underneath passes. You know, he didn't take uh, too many shots downfield, but he did have, of course, that good throw on the 75-yard score to Robbie Anderson, who made a nice adjustment on the ball, made uh, created a missed tackle, and he was off to the races. So he slung it a little bit, but you know it was your, you know, kind of your quick game, your your short games, or your short passes rather. And it's just just a matter of letting your playmakers make plays. You know, it's getting the ball in the hands of DJ Moore when you can, or Robbie Anderson, or Curtis Samuel, and just letting them make plays. But Teddy Bridgewater, I thought, did a really nice job of commanding the offense. I mean, he was only sacked once. He didn't turn the ball over, which was key. You know, that was, like I said yesterday, that was one of the big positives to take away from that game is the Panthers did not turn the ball, did not turn the ball over at all on Sunday. So that's a, a key factor, you know, a key positive going forward. If they could just keep playing those clean games, they're going to win some of these games. And Teddy Bridgewater was a, a big factor in that. You know, he called a good game, ran a good game. You know, not just your typical game manager. He was he he threw the ball nicely. So it was a good start for the Panthers offense and a good start for Teddy Bridgewater as the, uh, the Panthers starting quarterback. Uh, th- should be a couple more takeaways here from Joe that we'll get into. Uh, but I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at RockAuto.com before we continue the uh, family business, the online family business that's been serving customers for over 20 years with all your auto parts needs. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. And you can get it for just about any make and any model that you may drive. And whether you're a classic or a daily driver. They're set up for you as well. You can get everything you need and just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is easy, very easy to navigate and unique, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands. And you could or you could choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember, of course, to write the words locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us section so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So kind of wrapping up the takeaways here from Joe Person. 
Uh, he said, I've been trying to tell you about Jeremy Chin. And hey, so have I. Listen, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've been raving on Jeremy Chin. So it's nice to be right about that. And look, I know, obviously, all you guys listening out there, you guys knew Jeremy Chin, too, I'm sure. Like, everybody that followed the draft knew about Jeremy Chin. We knew he was this big safety out of Southern Illinois. He had the size. He had the speed. He had the the ball skills. You know, he was the the do-everything player at uh, at Southern Illinois. And he showed it at the Combine. He had a great week there. You know, looked to go to the Senior Bowl there, too. And ended up with eight tackles in his rookie debut. That's actually the second most by a Panthers rookie in team history, trailing only Lester Towns' 10 from 2000. And, of course, Chin had that... Uh, that nice open field tackle on Devontae Booker, uh, short of the end zone, which I believe, which if, if I remember correctly, was the play before uh, the pass to Jason Witten on third down. That was stuffed about two yards short by Tyre Whitehead. But Jeremy Chin, great rookie start, um, showed exactly what he is, showed why the Panthers traded up for him, and showed why he was getting some comparisons in the draft to Isaiah Simmons, who, of course, was the top linebacker and a player that a lot of Panthers people thought they were going to take, you know, including myself. But it all worked out great. They got their run-stuffing defensive tackle in the first round, and then they got uh, the light version of Isaiah Simmons in round two in Jeremy Chin. So excited to see him have a strong rookie debut and excited to see him moving forward. Uh, then he said, looking for more, actually, this is the last one, looking for more from DJ Moore. He said, DJ Moore didn't have an awful day, but it's likely not what Roland had in mind when he recently said he wanted to see Moore take the next step as a receiver and become someone the Panthers could trust and make tough physical catches. Moore, of course, only had four catches for 54 yards, but he did have nine targets. Uh, he had the one drop and another ball go right through his hands in the end zone in tight coverage. Uh, Moore, of course, also had the uh, the taunting penalty during the game as well when uh, he was yapping it up with LaMarcus Joyner, and after, Moore, or after Joyner pushed Moore in the helmet, and then Moore, uh, yeah, Moore started, like I said, yapping a little bit and kind of created a... Uh, a pretty poor penalty that could have been avoided. So that's got to get cut down, but it's week one, you know, it's, it's early in the season, long way to go. And Moore's going to get his, um, I know there's been talk. I, I've seen some talk on Twitter, especially from some fantasy people that I really enjoy and respect. And they brought up an interesting note. And that was the possibility that, all three Panthers wide receivers could have the same fantasy value going forward after what we saw in week one. I still feel like DJ Moore is eventually going to break out of the pack a little bit, but we did also see on Sunday that they are not going to be afraid to 
get Robbie Anderson more involved and get Curtis Samuel more involved. I mean, you know, especially Curtis Samuel, you know, they were getting him involved uh, a good bit. And, you know, a, a bunch of throws went his way, made some nice catches, uh, made a couple, you know, had that one drop as well, though. You know, everyone look at it, whether he should have caught it or whether uh, Teddy Bridgewater should have led him a little bit. But they were still getting him involved. You know, in total, DJ Moore had nine targets. Anderson had eight. Samuel had eight. So all three of these guys, at, at least from the looks of week one, are pro- are going to be heavily involved in the, uh, in the Panthers' offense. And, you know, the snap counts also say that as well. Uh, Moore, Anderson, and Samuel all played at least 50 snaps on Sunday. Moore had 58 out of the 67 snaps. Anderson played in 55 out of 67, and Curtis Samuel played in 50 of the 67. So again, that was all 75%. No other wide receiver played more than eight offensive snaps. That was Brandon Zilstra. Uh, Seth uh, Seth Roberts played in five offensive snaps, and Farrell Cooper played in three offensive snaps. So if those, so if Sunday snap counts are any indication, it's going to be the top three, and they are going to be involved quite a lot in this passing game. You know, again, what uh, twenty-five targets? Quick math, <laughs> quick math, twenty-five targets. Uh, between the three of them, Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball 34 times. So there was only uh, nine other targets between four other receivers that were involved. McCaffrey had four targets. Thomas had two. Roberts had two. And Manhurts even had one. He had the one catch. So huge gap there between your top three and everybody else. So that's uh, that's a big takeaway there as well. Is these is DJ Moore is going to be the star, but Anderson and Samuel are going to be more involved, uh, especially Samuel. It feels like he's going to be more involved than he has been since he came to Carolina. He had a good season last year. We know he was involved a little bit. It just feels like he's going to take it to the next level uh, with Joe Brady now as the offensive coordinator. And Anderson has already shown the uh, the big playability that he could bring to this team and that he flashed a little bit when he was with the Jets. So a good trio here in Carolina. Excited to see it uh, grow a little bit more and excited to see um, how this team utilizes these three going forward. Uh, But hopefully soon we, uh, we get the all 22. So uh, game pass, Pretty please get it to us soon. I would really like to watch it. I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, so hopefully we can get that and uh, talk about that with you guys very soon. Um, and then, of course, eventually we'll start getting ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what should be a uh, an interesting battle on Tuesday. Or Yeah, on Tuesday. <laughs> Today's Tuesday. Uh, interesting battle on Sunday uh, as the Panthers try to avoid and... Oh, and two starts yet again, uh, like they did last season. Ironically, of course, as well at the hands of the Buccaneers. At least this time, they have a full week to prepare for the Buccaneers, unlike last season when it was on a 
Thursday night. Of course, the Panthers' Thursday game this year isn't until Week 8 when they host the Atlanta Falcons. So, should be interesting there. Excited to dive into them. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. So, I think that's a good place to wrap it up here. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in and making me a part of your Tuesday. Really excited uh, to go through this week in the season with you all. Glad to uh, to chat football with you guys. And hope you guys are excited as well to keep rolling on this train. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And, of course, follow the podcast, uh, Google Podcast, um, Apple, wherever you get your podcast listening pleasure, uh, we are most likely there. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we'll see you next time right here on L-O-P. Until then, take care, my friends. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 